truth in his art. I am your host, Rob Lee. And today, I'm super excited to welcome my next guest, a talented indigenous artist from the Pueblo of Laguna, Mesita, and a citizen of the tribe hailing from Barstow, California. He blends traditional Pueblo of Laguna pottery designs with manga in his illustrations, and his passion for his art drives him consistently to improve his craft and share his culture, his indigenous culture, with the world. Please welcome Roberto Daya. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Do you mind if we speak in language real quick before we begin? Um, so, so in my language, um, my name is Roberto Daya. I'm known as Siuna Roadrunner, and I'm a tribal citizen from Pueblo Laguna in Mesita. And it's nice to be here finally, and finally nice to meet you in person. I've been looking forward to this for a long time now. I'm not going to lie. It, it, it's great to be here, you know? Thank you. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I, because like I said, like, that's why I asked the way that I did initially, because I was like, mm-hmm. there is the full like name and I love this, but I want to hear it. I need to hear it. I need to understand it. And yeah. you've done it and you've shared it. And thank you. And I, and I think as we were talking a little bit before we got started, or that it's, it's, it's community oriented. It's about having like space. It's about like giving people the opportunity to share right. and share in a real sort of way. Mm-hmm. So, and I, and I'll say this, I think you might be the second or third indigenous artist I've had on here. Oh, nice. So um, I, I gotta get those numbers up, right. <laughs> but as, as we start, can you um, give us some insight on your background and share with us your first experience with art? Like, what was that like? So the first experience of art, it was like a weird, a weird world to me. And I say this because most of the time, like I'm into cars, right? I'm into car mechanics, etc. And I remember around seventh or eighth grade, I started drawing these random characters. I would play from video games, um, some from Cartoon Network, some from Nickelodeon, some from Disney, etc. I just started randomly drawing them. And when I first showed them to my to my mother, she didn't believe me at first because she thought I traced them, which is very very validating because it just came out of nowhere and it looks almost perfection to her eyes. It, I think that was when I think I knew when I I'm going to be an artist one day. And then it was kind of like an on and off situation from from seventh to tenth grade in high school, I believe, because it was more like an on and off situation uh, to the point where I don't know what I want no more until until tenth grade. No, no, was it 10th grade? Yeah. Until 10th grade in a car mechanics a class, that's when I fucking hate that class. So what I did is I ditched that class every single day and go to the art room with this, with this really cool teacher at the time. Um, he was still giving me an A in that class, even though I can't ditch in his car class. So I think that was when like, I knew that um, I belong in the art world. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. I, I like how you kind of had most of the other bullet points I had in there in your answer. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's as if you got the questions beforehand. Uh, <laughs> but it, it's interesting. Um, so I've, I've said this on a few podcasts, but I'll add this extra layer to it, mm. which I, I, and this is, I think, the first time I've said it, and it mm. kind of connects. So. Um, I wanted to be a comic book artist when I was younger, mm-hmm. and I went to a prestigious place here that told me that I wasn't any good, essentially, so right. I switched gears. Mm-hmm. Um, and in switching gears, I looked at going to a trade school to go into automobile drafting. Mm-hmm. And my parents were not happy. It was like, no, 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 you're not going to do that. That's not for you. <laughs> <laughs> so it was just like, eh, maybe I'll go into something slightly different, and it ultimately just wasn't going to be a fit. And I find myself like 
always kind of hunting and always kind of like searching for something creative to kind of express myself. So you know that's going to come back up a little later probably. Possibly, but we'll see, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so what inspired, inspired you to take like imagery, colors, things that you have seen maybe growing up and kind of bring it to manga like why manga actually manga is something i grew up with a long time ago yeah. and i just love watching anime in general and to tell you the truth between the anime and the cartoons we see in america today like for for some reason in anime i just more drawn into it because how expressive they are how colorful they are how powerful figures they they have and i remember uh, i watched my first anime called bleach have you heard of it yes and now bleach thousand blood war is here and, and i'm so happy after 10 years anyway i'm getting off topic no here. no no no, no. Yeah, you, yeah. you were talking manga for a couple hours yeah right? no i know like i feel like if i it, ah i cannot talk so, i feel like if i keep talking about um the same anime over over again i'm gonna be another spectrum and i was like okay what was i talking about again it's all good. but it's all good so basically the point i was trying to get is that i just really love like how sharp and pristine um the designs are like in general in animation and manga etc and i really love the line work out of it and I figured that um, since I love drawing anime, well, manga in particular, and since I'm trying to, um, you know, hone my culture at the same time, I figured that why not just merge something, um, something unique that I both love dearly into my own artwork. And I know for the fact um, some people out there are, or some people in indigenous can may disagree with it, and I'm totally okay with it. But I just want them to understand that even though um, my heritage is part of me, but I still have a personality at the end of the day. I'm not just a history book. I'm just a human at the end of the day. 100%. Mm -hmm. it's, it's sort of that conversation that folks have about um, we're expected at times to present what we look like, what, yeah. what we attach ourselves mm -hmm. to, what communities we come from. Mm -hmm. And it's that sort of monolithic conversation. Yeah. And it, it's interesting, like in this, you know, we're recording this at Big Improv and um, they used to do a podcast here called Unofficially Black. Right. And my guest and my co-host and I actually, we would talk about like news stories of the week from this sort of perspective mm -hmm. of being alternative black guys. And just like, oh, we don't fit the narrative, but we have a point to say on this. Mm -hmm. And it was just really interesting. And the, the theme that we kept throwing out there is there's no like step one to being a black person. Right. You know, it's just like we're we're diverse. And I think any community is that. Mm -hmm. So talk about some of the themes that you're pursuing in your work. And, and, and let me step back real quick. OK. Um, one. I saw your work initially at Motorhouse, and that was that was why I hit you up. I was like, "This is fire!" And I was there with one of my buddies who was like, "I know nothing about art." He was like, "Oh snap, that's a manga shit right there!" <laughs> <laughs> and he was like, "I need to talk to that person." Oh my goodness! Oh, that means a lot just hearing that. Oh, all my heart. <laughs> I mean, he is a he's an anime nerd too. So you right. pulled in an anime nerd that goes to all the cons, all of that mm -hmm. stuff. So now, as we shift forward. The themes. Talk about some of the themes that you're like pursuing. Talk about what's underneath the work at the end of the day. So underneath my work, well, first of all, it's called Rage Against Mayhem. That's the long-term project I've been working on since uh, 2018 back in California. And it was a time when I was in undergraduate school at University of Redlands. So that was when I started doing um, this Rage Against Mayhem. And the reason why the name Rage Against Mayhem is born is because when you rage about something, people typically think that um, you rage about nothing, all it is just about anger, nothing more, nothing less. But at the end of the day, when you rage about something you love or something that you care about dearly, 
you raging out of love, not out of violence, and against mayhem. Mm. So mayhem, um, I say mayhem because I think about I think of as isolation often and destruction, and no love. So basically, rage against mayhem is equivalent to love against hatred, kind mm. of deal. And which is why um, I put um, my character as a protagonist as. It, it, it is inspired by uh, Bleach, the protagonist Ichigo, yeah. and I just love the design of it. So when I created that character, I wanted him to be powerful as much as I can, um, authentic at the same time with his tribal markings onto his face, and of course, like maybe speak a little bit of language, etc. And the idea of it behind it is not only that he's the last native on the land in, let's say, 24th century, let's say like that. Sure. The idea of it is that He's a protector of the land. Like he wants to protect whatever is dear to him. While um, the deleters, aka the colonizers, would do anything to take over the land. Would do anything to grab the minerals, grab the energies, suck the people's blood out of them, just just to get power at the end. And I based off of it um, from the history of what was done to us back then when the colonizers show up to our land. And, uh, and I know you've seen um, a lot of my deleters work on my stories quite often along with metal music. I was trying to convey that part as a way how terrifying those colonizers were back then to us, not just the native people, but also the, the black communities as well. Yeah. And I tried my best to, to be lenient, but at the same time, uh, the end of 2022, that's when I said, fuck it. I might as well just show the true, the true whores how terrifying they are to our people. Yeah. And and going back to the protagonist, like he could be violent as he wants to. He can be, but he did it out of love for his people, and for his family, and for his land at the end of the day. Everything what he what he, what dears to him. So basically to to finalize your question, um, the background of it is basically indigenous taking taking the power back from the colonizers, aka the the deleters. Thank you. Mm -hmm. It was great. I, I, I mean, as, as you're describing, I'm like, all right. So, so when is this manga coming out? Like, when is this coming out as like a visual that I can get like on like an illegal stream? Mm -hmm. Maybe I don't know. No, no, you're not the <laughs> only one because many, like many of my friends, like throughout the years, including while I was on a cruise, were asking me the exact same thing. When your mangas would come out, I was like, listen, I don't know because um, as I as I was on a cruise, I'd be writing like a lot of like you know chapters into my notebook, did some little bit of sketches on my iPad, and I'm still doing the storyboard uh, about three years now um, so I'm just doing the best I can trying to finalize it hopefully by the end of 2024 because I have other goals in mind as well but also I still continue to illustrate manga illustrated um, indigenous people ah, indigenous uh, people just like what I'm doing for Major Against Mayhem yeah. because ultimately my goal is I want to keep illustrating manga but also give powers um, and love to my people as well but also the colonizers, you know, that's the idea of it. <laughs> I mean, that's that's like the, the best thing that's ever been said, actually. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I mean, so, if, if, not, if they're not gonna say it, I'm gonna say it because there you go, no filter. So, <laughs> I mean, we're having real conversations, that's, I mean, that's it, really what matters. I mean, it's real though, because like nowadays, like you can't even real, you can't even have a conversation about it without pissing people off, and you already got people, um, in America. Unfortunately, I hate to say this, but this is the truth. There will be a lot of people will look at me as a political object because of my yeah. skin color, because of my jet black hair, because of my tattoos, how I talk, how I speak, yeah. how I look like, what I wear, etc. Well, I just want to like pretty much kill that by saying I never was a political object to begin with. I never was and never will. 
and they can either accept it or deny it. Is there a problem at the end? You know, I, I think yes, and I think it's it's interesting where it, it, in doing this, you can. I look the way that I look. I'm a large black man. Yeah. So there are opportunities that present themselves mm -hmm. to use me as kind of a token, as a way to get into a certain demographic. Mm -hmm. And I kind of, I definitely feel that like, nah, I'm, I'm a person. I'm not interested in that at all, actually. Yeah. <laughs> like what's ironic about it is when people look at me as a political object, it motivates me to prove to prove them wrong. Mm -hmm. to show like how authentic my artwork can be, but also how terrifying my artwork can be towards them because I already have people in the past that be questioning their own, <coughs> excuse me, questioning their own identity, identities by seeing the artwork for the very first time. Yeah. And it wasn't just the conners, I'm we're talking about everyone. Yeah. And just seeing the reaction out of it, it just gives me hope, the fact how there, there might be a second chance for them to redeem themselves at the end. That's how I look at it, and I still look at it to this day. So pie in the sky like where like and people ask me this for doing this where do you like want it to ultimately go with your work with where you're at in your career and pursuing like like sharing these sort of stories and sharing your visions and kind of like speaking of and supporting your, your folks your people to tell you the truth i have big goals and i know it's a long shot but i'm still going to do it anyway as you should as i should my goal is to have my artwork throughout the states it is a lot at first but at the end of the day i'm willing to do it if i have to then i will that's my goal and also if it comes to that um my another dream of mine is have my artwork featured either in Japan or in European um, art museums as well. And also one of them in Los Angeles, California, the Brown Museum, that's like my ultimate goal as like the new generation artists. Not just any new generation artists, but as a new indigenous generation artist. Yeah. It's a way of me saying that I survived, my people survived, and I'm using that time and day to show that I still want to live along with my people as best as I can and as much power as I can. That's my ultimate goal at the end of the day. It's big. It yes, is. it is. And to tell you the truth, it's scary at first. I'm not going to lie. It is scary. The fact how I'm the first generation um, an artist in a family who has this kind of goals as well. But then again, like I was never alone to begin with. And I realized that after I saw the ocean for the first time, after I saw the islands for the first time, after I meet so many great friends and now we're close friends now, it just gives me hope again, the fact how, because, because of all this and because of what I experienced and, and the past experience, I finally gained happiness for the first time in six years and a strength back. It's great to hear. It is, and it's, it's an incredible feeling and I still want to keep that and I want to hone in into my artwork and just pursue my goals. And the one thing I did say to, to everyone I met and saw, and including my, my current best friend, my current man, and of course my parents, I mean everyone, that I'll thank them by achieving those dreams of mine this year. So stepping back a little bit, because I, I like that you, you put in there, seeing the ocean or what have you. So mm -hmm. des describe what it was growing up. Usually I ask, I ask that early on, but describe what it was growing up or what have you, because I think that that may have some impact in like how you approach 
like maybe your work or what have you, maybe some of the themes that come in there. So like obviously I'm from here, right? Yeah. And being, you know, it's crabs in my blood, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. <laughs> so describe like, you know, what it was like like growing up, like what part of the country was it? I got Barstow, but I have no context of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can give you context. So so it's central California. So think of it as the between of southern and, and northern. Mm -hmm. However, first of all, have you been in Las Vegas? I have not been to Las Vegas. Okay, um, it's two hours away from Las Vegas okay. by going uh, in Interstate 15. Okay. That's the only way you could see Barstow, one way or another. And to describe what the city looks like, it's a very small city. It's kind of like a retirement town, but also military uh, mm. town as well, full of sand, full of desert plants, et cetera, snakes, some hyenas. They're terrifying creatures. Are you trolling right now? I'm not trolling. We literally have hyenas. <laughs> when you said snakes, it felt like you were trolling. A I bit. was not trolling. We do have snakes, and I'm not. I'm laughing out of fear. Oh, Roberto. <laughs> no, it's yeah. I the the closest I've been in that sort of region, because you, you mentioned Vegas, I immediately think of Southwest region. And right. Closest I've been is like um, Clovis, New Mexico, mm -hmm. and uh, in Albuquerque. And we, and so when we when we got together initially, you're like, eh, I'm from the desert. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's a desert. <laughs> but but with that with that being said, um, yeah. I'm just not used to seeing the water all the time. Even though I'm from California, even though I've been on the beaches before, but I never like see like the ocean right in front of me. So going back to Barstow, how it was for me growing up, um, it was a weird paradox for me uh, because. Um, but one, when I hear stories about, you know, my other, my friends, you know, people of color in general, they were experiencing racism all the time growing up. While I'm in Barstow, I rarely experience racism. Yeah. And I really believe it's because um, we have privilege the whole time, if I think about it, because I don't think I ever experienced like any minor or major um, racism towards me or my family a lot. I think it's because the fact how everyone knows each other and they just, you know, do their own thing kind of deal. But I never knew what, what it felt like to be, you know, objectified or being called ex exotic until I get out of Barstow for the very first time. So everything was all new for me at the time. Yeah. And that's when I realized that, um, well, it was a really com conflicting question that I, should I, how come I don't experience that kind of trauma? But sure. should I experience the trauma or not? Or should I just wait it? At, you know what I mean? It's one of those weird paradoxes that it just got me all confused and stuff like that because I'm from the small city, not from the big cities. It, it's, it's a very weird world that I had to deal with um, at, after six months when I moved out of my parents' place. Yeah. And I think that was when um, my artwork started to rise up, um, when I started exploring more about myself, when I started to explore more of my culture a lot more. Than, than I used to before. So when, so in coming to, to Baltimore, and what, what was that sort of transition, like East Coast City, faster, mm -hmm. very black, all of the things, uh, weirdly racist at times? Uh, Honestly, you got it. That's basically what is the best how you described it. Now, the one, the one thing that really did caught my eye the most, and it's not in a great way, is how heavily segregated the city is. Yeah. And I could not believe it. I mean, I'm pretty sure y'all knew that, but for me, like coming to Baltimore for the very first time, I just could not believe it. How drastically the environment changed between, uh, let's say, Federal Hill and Greenmount. It can be yeah. in the same zip code, mm -hmm. um, and it's sort of 
you know, it's it's a it's a city of neighborhoods, all of that different stuff. But right. also, it's something else baked into it. It's something else about how things are structured. The mm-hmm. uh, the Baltimore L, all of those those different things that yeah. are there. And I'll I'll put it in in this context where the part of the city I live in. I'm not far from the medical campus and from the schools um, under Hopkins, the medical schools. Yeah. And I'm in one zip code. I go up literally to my office, mm-hmm. which is an eight-minute walk from my house. I'm in a very different zip code, and financially, things are a lot different. Right. And it's a food desert. Yep. So you have those different things, and you see them, and 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 make this kind of make some sense now, I suppose. Mm-hmm. It's. It's, it's going to be baked into how you approach your work, how you're having these dialogues, maybe some of the people you work with. Oh, yeah. So in you coming, you know, to Baltimore and coming from the West Coast, because people say, man, the West Coast is so this, this and this and going to the East Coast. Was it was it a big shock for you? Was it just a, a shift? Was it like talk about that a little bit? It was a big shock, but also <clears throat> a quick shift at the same time, because I remember um, I was still in California, you know, finished up my job. And at the time, um, a former uh, director named Kenneth Kravchak, who was the director at uh, MICA under Community Arts uh, Master's Program, he called me out of nowhere, asked me if I want to be a GPA. And I said yes, and which means I had to leave California a lot earlier than I anticipated. So it was a very quick shift yeah. and a very drastic change to the point where I looked up um, Amtrak tickets. And I traveled from Barstow to all the way to Baltimore three days straight. You took the train? Yes, I did. <laughs> wow. Wow. I'm that ambitious. I'm that motivated. That's how much energy, like, I really want to, you know, do something for, for me. Mm-hmm. And um, I think, like, when I first arrived in Baltimore, I just couldn't believe that I actually am in the city for the first time. I'm actually going to be living in the city for the first time. Something that... It is well known. I'd be surrounded by artists all the time, by the community-oriented people. It's just everything was just a big shock to me in a good way, but also that it was a it was a challenge for me as an indigenous person because as you as you said earlier, it's like a black city, right? Mm-hmm. But I don't see I don't see many indigenous people of of me. I don't see that often, and because of that, like, it made me feel lonely. And there are times when. I don't know which space would be right for me to talk about my culture without being without being judged on, and I'm talking about for everyone in general. But until um, I met well now to me an older sister Ashley Minner, uh, a Lumbee a Lumbee tribal member, and since then when she took me in as as her little brother, it, it, things changed from there. And if it weren't for her, I wouldn't be doing this something I want to do, you know. Just seeing that um, my role model and seeing there are actually indigenous people in the city, yeah. it gives me hope. The fact how we still live at the end, and it took me a long time to realize that. I'm glad you were able to make those connections, and that's it's a potential interview. And so you touched on it. So I heard Micah there. I heard, you know, being in this community and kind of finding sort of your footing and finding potentially your people, although it's a little work to find your people at times. Yeah. I mean, it's not new, but but the East Coast, it hits different because the West Coast, there's like indigenous people everywhere, everywhere you go to. But East Coast, it's, it's a lot different. I think it's because like the smallest state Maryland is compared to California. That's probably why, you know. Yeah, and so so that that takes me to this sort of question of 
sort of having the community component, but also having sort of the community of artists. How how was that for you? And kind of, you know, was there any acceptance as far as you're an artist and moving in that sort of like direction? Were you getting like, oh, well, yeah, because I think I think the artist community is a little more like, yeah, everybody should pull up or what have you. Mm -hmm. So talk about what that experience was like. So at first, um, it was questionable because I don't know what to expect because I never been in a city surrounded by artists all the time because usually I'm usually that one that one artist right in the group in California or at least two or three. Yeah. But but here it's a lot different because now I have literally my of my friends in Maryland that are artists yeah. while the rest of my friends, they're like all over the states. But getting back to it, it was a weird paradox because I don't know what to expect of, my re of their reactions to the kind of work I do. Um, for one, it's something that they don't see every day, and two, it sometimes personally, I, I think of I think of my work is something I break the rules a lot, which I'm all for that, honestly. To be perfectly honest, with you. it's like a rule breaker. Yeah, well, the reason I I call it a rule breaker, a rule break, breaker. Wow, I was that sprinkler, <laughs> a rule breaker. Rule sprinkler. <laughs> <laughs> a, rule sprinkler. <laughs> a rule breaker. The reason I call that is because in most in most cultures, you in tradition, this is supposed to be the right way. Mm. All the time. For me, like, no, I just do it my way. Not only that I, I keep my identity, but also keep my culture at the same time. Uh, therefore, I was surprised the reactions I was getting from other artists and all of them, what they told me, and to summarize it, what they said to me, it's something they've never seen before. It's something that they felt something different for a very long time. It is something that is powerful, but yet, I don't think you're ever going to see that again if I were to, let's say, pass away or if I were to move away somewhere far away. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like a, it's like an honor to see the, for them to see my work. And it took me a while to get used to, to get that, that kind of appraisal because yeah. I'm not used to it, to be honest with you. Because I just, I just appreciate everyone's art, but I never would have imagined my art would be this high up there, even though I wasn't really all like, oh my God, I'm that great. No, no, I, I'm, I'm not the kind of person, I'm just really modest. I just want to connect people. And they, if they happen to appraise my worth, then I will accept that as part of, you know, motivation to move forward. Yeah, you know, it's, it's, it's great to hear that because, you know, when I came across it, you know, I was saying that the, the whole motorhouse thing or what have you, mm -hmm. it was just immediate, like, I don't care, interview is happening, I'm going to figure it out, we're going to make <laughs> this happen. And then kind of doing a little research, I was like, oh, you have a conversion of money. Yeah, absolutely got to do it just for sheer vanity, you know what I mean? Oh my gosh, <laughs> to stop right there, like, when I got your message, I was in class teaching my class yeah. at the time. Well, I still teach now, but, but I think it was around... Um, November or maybe beginning of December, I don't remember. I remember I got your message and then beginning of the next class, I was like, guess what, y'all? <laughs> and like, what is this? Like, I'm gonna be on the podcast. And everyone screamed. <laughs> everyone screamed and all, all my kids, they hugged me out of congratulations and they were crying too, I remember. And that was when, <laughs> that was when I got so excited when I heard about you, cause like, oh my God, you're the guy. Like, oh my goodness. I was like that excited at the time. And I still am today. Just, oh, it just gave me chills just thinking about it today. So <laughs> that was like, what, what was my reaction when I first yeah. saw your, your message? Like, 
he noticed me. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's 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 really it's really cool that I have you, and I just think of kind of the same thing you were you were touching on a moment ago, and, and thank you for for that. I had no idea, but um, yeah, you know, having that sort of what I. What I look at and what I try to do is whenever I talk with someone Mm -hmm. and whenever I see there's a possible fit or connection, it is my duty to try to connect people. And so I already have people I want to connect to you as soon as we're wrapping up this podcast because that's just at the top of my mind. Mm -hmm. And that's just literally what it is. I think that's the point of it. It is. It's your, and you know, to extend on it, you know. This sort of class of folks, you know, bringing all of us together and everyone has their sort of different stories that are a part of it. Let's say creators, artists, Mm -hmm. people that are kind of driving towards that that goal. Our job is to kind of look out for ourselves and connect because some of the folks, as we've maybe talked about earlier, the colonizers, (laughs) the the seas, as it were, (laughs) they they may not always have that interest in 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 a very sure in a very like earnest sort of way yeah so if there's opportunity to help someone out it's it's one's duty and that's that's just what that is i think right and the fact that you're doing this and the fact how you're creating the space for anyone to talk about anything what they need to talk about like like i like i mentioned earlier before we start recording how if any indigenous artists or any indigenous individuals happen to hear my voice in your podcast and after what they heard, I really, I really, really, really believe that it's going to validate them. It's going to help them keep moving forward. And that's the idea of it nowadays, and it should be, which you're already doing it anyway. But but the fact how like, I'm here with you, even though I'm the third business person to be the podcast, like, all I know is like, the numbers will be growing one day because there's hope for them at the end yeah. of the day. It's always, it's always a yes. Yes, always. Um, so how, and from, from a creative standpoint, right, from, from like bumping off ideas, mm-hmm. from talking through techniques, how important is it to be around like other artists? Because I steal from y'all. Right. I'm just letting you know. Like I steal everything. Like, all right, so Roberto said this. I'm going to work this in conversation. <laughs> before you blow up, blow up. Blow I want to be making reference to you. It's like, yeah, I knew him before he got cool. Like, <laughs> <laughs> so how, how important is it for you to be around other artists, other creatives in terms of, you know, your, your process? And, and talk about that a little bit, too, because I feel like I neglected to ask that. But oh, it's OK. How important is it to be around other artists and other creatives? Um, to, the ex- to the extent, um, I will look at other artists or, well, like I said earlier, I literally all my friends in Baltimore, they're all artists. They inspire me all the time anyway. Yeah by seeing their work in person, by seeing their exhibitions, their studio galleries, their artistic residency programs, and of course some in DC, et cetera. Because of them, like, I'm always constantly, constantly inspired to keep illustrating my work. Even though their themes are different, even though their approaches are different, it just gives me to show how there are some references where I could possibly integrate it into my work as well. Now here's, now here's kind of a plot twist, to be honest with you. To be honest with you, like, the inspiration actually came from isolation. Mm. In other words, I was alone majority of the time. And because of isolation, I've been having a lot of deep thoughts, deep connections, deep memories that I have within me. I think that was when all these characters, all these designs that I created, it was coming from the deep soul of mine as well. And I think the reason why I keep isolating myself is because I don't know how to love myself when I'm constantly surrounded by people who say they love me, but they never did to begin with. And that truly 
truly dehumanizing me at the end of the day. So while um, I'd be here isolating the whole time, it just been growing in my inspiration, it's been growing my artwork, and it clearly shows um, through my latest work, um, the last piece of 2022. I think that was when I started to let the rage out and let all the energy out and create create something and be the person something new they've never seen before because originally it's all black and white yeah but now it's colors and powerful it's just... <laughs> so that's literally like i don't want to say double-edged sword but there's one side where i'm inspired by artists all the time but the main side is mainly isolation there's there, there's a piece to that where i'll, I'll say this podcast really is a byproduct mm -hmm. it was going to happen and it was happening but in terms of it kind of expanding and doing what it did i suppose it was during the pandemic right you know a lot of people like oh i'm home so i would love to talk about my stuff and and so on and mm -hmm. that's when a lot of those interviews started happening and i was trying to keep up with it and you know so many different things you encounter of where do i fit how do i fit who am i all mm -hmm. of that different stuff right but you know when i'm sitting here and trying to go through the process i don't really talk about what i'm doing right until the stuff is out there i rather mm -hmm. just almost I, I, I think this is where it compares when people ask me like well, who, who the podcast you listen to i was like i don't listen to anyone i isolate myself from it because i don't want to be affected by it Right. I want to have my own thing, my sort of own thoughts, while stealing from y'all, by the way, but have, 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 have <laughs> my, my own thoughts. <laughs> <laughs> so, I'm talking about, because I, I remember you touched on having, like, when you were in the, uh, on the boat, you had, like, uh, I think you said you had a sketch, a sketchbook, right? We had, like, or a book where you have your notes down, maybe. Yeah, it was, it was a sketchbook, just basically writing down all my notes, uh, in terms of, like, putting the story into it, in terms of doing little bit of sketches, etc., just by simply looking at the ocean day and night. I know it sounds it sounds weird at first. But for me, it sounds weird at first because it's something I never thought of. An ocean will make me create this scary ass characters I'm making. I'm like, how does that connect to from the ocean to that? I think it's mainly because like how wide it is, like how open it is. So it's scary. It just, yes, exactly. It's wide. It's scary. It's dark. <laughs> You're in the middle of the ocean, and all you see is just just waves coming out from the butt I don't know how you say this basically we <laughs> no, go ahead. You know, like you know how like when, when the cruise you see like like white stuff coming yeah. out of it I don't know what's it called exactly foam I think that's like the, the foam what have you yeah yeah cause, yeah uh, I'd be seeing that all the time and part of me is terrified oh god what if I drown oh god what if I fell off the boat when I'm being a kid like I think these things started connected to do uh, has something to do with my deleters work and that's when all the colors start to pop out more and that's when all it's more defined versions of my deleters etc it's just it was a lot at the time and I remember that um, my close friend I, I hung out with him every day telling him about what I just told you basically it's just like what is happening here <laughs> I, I'll say one of the things that is terrifying because of the simplicity of it yeah is when, when people talk about like whiteout conditions mm -hmm. when it's snowing you can't see anything mm -hmm. it's terrifying it is. like the openness of it but i think in terms of the the color uh, piece you were describing a second ago i think when you look at the ocean you're like oh 
okay, that's this color blue during the day. Mm -hmm. And then suddenly it's like a dark, dark blue and you get those splashes, the foam of the, this white and sometimes yeah. you get these reflections and it's like there's a vibrancy there mm -hmm. with this thing that also is super terrifying. <laughs> yeah, I think that's when um, those, uh, I don't know how you call it, exactly, those energy energy color uh, illustrations I'd done to my deleters because yeah. originally it was supposed to be black and white. But I added color into it, and I was like, "Oh my god, that looks more terrifying than I thought." And I love it so much. <laughs> and the, and I, I don't know if you saw the stories on Instagram, but I'd be putting like you know captions on with like metal music at the same time to create the theme going. Yeah. And the scenery, and all of a sudden, bam! Here's my artwork. <laughs> love it, kind of deal. I think that's when those started to inspire me a lot from, and it's. It's, it's weird, but yet it's magical at the same time. The fact that it doesn't have to be directly from what you see. It could be something that you see surrounding it or make it up something out of it. And, and I think, you know, when, when that sort of transition of adding more color into it, mm -hmm. color means something. It does. And when you make that sort of change, it's like, no, I'm like, I, and he, he's he's canceled, he's redacted or what have you, but I mm -hmm. think of like, you know, Frank Miller stuff for like Sin City. Mm -hmm. And it's like, oh, you're only going to see color in these instances, like that yellow bastard, things of that nature, but everything else is black and white. Right. So you have to pay attention to it. Yes. Um, let's see. I have, um, I think I have an answer to that. <laughs> I, I absolutely have an answer to that. Um, <laughs> so let's see. I have one like real question left, and then I have some rapid fire questions for you. Okay. Because even you get the rapid fire. You didn't. I didn't send them to you, but you get them. Yay! Bring it. <laughs> Bring it. <laughs> so, and, and this is this is going to sound a little self-serving, but I think it's important. Right. As it relates to your work, mm -hmm. what role does the the concept, the idea, the pursuit of truth play? It's mainly the truth behind Amara, where it's the truth about my people, it's the truth about how they were back then. I'm talking about colonizers, by the way. It's the truth of what many people doesn't want to talk about nowadays. It's the truth how the, the descendants of the invaders still exist today. Mm -hmm. And not many people are realizing this. It is shows throughout the political agenda parties. It shows up in many terrorist organizations in America today and the fact that it's being socially accepted that's terrifying to me to the point where I don't want to be near them no more I don't want to be near anyone and and with that being said having um, indigenous characters next next to him is one that is one is is about resilience yeah. power and yet do you do what they have to do in order to protect them, even a means to take someone's life away that is the theme of my artwork and basically the idea of it is that it's going to be moral versus moral it's going to be about religion versus religion it's going to be about um perspective versus perspective and no it's not going to be right unfortunately because this is how the white man's game is being played as so i think to finalize your question is the reality of it the reality that not many of us are talking about even myself i don't talk about it the fact of how terrifying those people were back then and what they did to my people and how terrifying they are today. And and the fact is that it's being looked looked over. I don't know what else to say but to, to pray for you and your, your loved ones to protect yourself the whole time because I'll never know 
when I'll wake up. I'll never know when my loved one's gonna wake up because of those people still exist out there. Yeah. While myself, the protector to my loved ones, do everything I can to keep them alive today. Thank that you. is my answer. Well said. So, and I, I have a, I have a lot of things to say to you after this podcast, but I'm gonna keep it professional and go to the, the, the rapid fire portion, all good things. Okay. Uh, so the rapid fire portion, you, you know how this works. You've listened to a podcast before. No. Huh? So, uh, well, a few times, but, so, but I know how this goes. So essentially, uh, brevity is key here. Um, they may not have anything to do with your work. Okay. All right, so here's the first one. Okay. I, 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 like, I like asking artists this now. Okay. Uh, what'd you eat for breakfast? I ate, I had nothing. Sorry. See, I'm, I'm going to go on this self-care campaign for artists. I'm hearing more and more, uh, I ate leftover Chinese food. I'm like, how many hours of sleep did you get? Four. I'm like, <laughs> like yo, how, how are you st still standing? Listen, I'm not a morning person. Hey. And what's ironic about it is how I had, to, I had to get up, like, you know, around 8 a.m. in the morning. And I just don't have the energy to cook or I'm even teasing. go to the store. <laughs> but no, I know you're teasing, but it's real, though. So, so. <laughs> All right, so what would you what would you have in the morning typically then? I would have like scrambled eggs with waffles. Oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah. I like that. I mean, I had a protein shake and half of a banana earlier. Right. Yeah. Oh, that sounds good. Um, do you have an odd obsession? I like odd things. I like like yeah. I really like. There's some people who are really into ketchup and they will import ketchup. That is an odd obsession in my mind. Mm. Do you have any odd obsession, quirky interests that kind of pop up? And you're like, I absolutely have to to do this. Honestly, no. Okay. I think about no. I don't think so. Okay. I'm just Birdo. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> what was the last book you read? It was, um, it was a prevalent revolt. Basically, the book is about is talking about the history how my people kicked the French out of our, our out of our tribe. The French out of here. Yes. <gasps> that should be a saying. Well, Get no, the French out of here. Oh, that wasn't a French. Sorry, Spaniards. Sorry, Spaniards. I have another term. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Colonizers. There we go. <laughs> they're just saying. Just like, white people in different seasons. Like, I don't know. I don't know. They're, they're so weird. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> kick, 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 kick the colonizers out. So that was the last book I read, and it's still pretty good. Um, in three words, why do you like being an artist? I know. Validation, power, and love. See, easy, easy good words, strong words, mm -hmm. important words. Here's the last one I got for you. Okay. What do you listen to when you work? Like music-wise? Music, um, some people do audiobooks, some people do podcasts. So I listen to this band called Bad Omens, and I love the band so much. The most song I played, does it help me get me motivated, even though it has nothing to do with being motivated at all, yeah. is one is Just Pretend, and another song is um, Like a Villain. It is a hardcore, <laughs> like metal and I was like yeah <laughs> <laughs> and I get so motivated by that and because of those kind of music I play is it's connected to my art anyway so that it all worked out I like it yeah so in, thank you for indulging mm -hmm. uh, and in these, <laughs> these final moments here um, I want to one thank you for coming on to this podcast and you know spending this little time with me and, and two I want to invite and encourage you to share anything you want in the final moments the floor is yours but definitely let folks know where to check you out check out your work but anything that you want to share in the final moments the floor is yours there's a lot I want to share but 
But I just really want to thank everyone who's been believing me since day one when I couldn't believe myself. And it's hard to do that nowadays. And after what I witnessed for the first time, like, you know, up in the cruise, the waters, the islands, and new people, new friends, etc. The fact how, like, including my best friend and my, my wonderful boyfriend and my family, all of it combined, like, like I mentioned earlier, it just brings happiness and strength for the very first time in six years. Right? And, and again, I will keep saying it until my dreams will be a reality, is I'll thank everyone just by achieving my dreams this year. That is, my, that is a promise to myself. And therefore, if I, if I had to stay up all night, keep making art, keep producing work, to show the truth about me, myself, and I, along with something I love, something I do, and something that I see every day, so be it. You know what I mean? And therefore, as long as people keep believing me, as long as people try to understand where I'm coming from, as long as people try to, you know, educate themselves a little bit about my people and I, then I'm going to be okay at the end of the day. Because there will be a day when I know for the fact I'm going to be alone one day. One day. And I say that because, you know, as we're getting older, people will die around us, right? But I can at least go look back and say, I'm not... I did not regret a thing about it. Not one thing. So I could just smile happily when my day comes. You want to be able to um, fulfill your dreams as you touched on. Exactly. And it's still happening as we speak. Even even though my dreams is still... Even though my dreams is, is being accomplished, it's going to start stacking up one by one, one by one, one by one, one by one. I already know it, so I already accept it. Mm-hmm. So I think that's all I can think of, really, you know? Where can he follow you at? So they can follow me on Instagram at littleberto17, all right? So littleberto17. <laughs> and there you have it, folks. I want to again thank Roberto Daya for coming on to the podcast. And I'm Rob Lee saying that there's art, culture, culture, culture in and around your neck of the woods. You've just got to look for it. Mm-hmm.